to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Weaver. And I am Airman First Class Danielle Dawson from the 169th Fighter Wing. Awesome. And this is your second podcast with us, so I'm very excited to have you here because we have some very special Air Guard guests, and we're going to kind of talk about some Air Guard stuff. So. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, so I guess we're going to start off with, you know, what are what do you guys do? Or introduce yourselves first. Mm-hmm. Um, we could start with Senior Master Sergeant Monroe. Okay, I'm a Senior Master Sergeant Kenneth Monroe, I'm Recruiting and Retention Senior Enlisted Leader with the South Carolina Air National Guard. I've been there for about 22 years, and I've been at recruiting for 10 years, so really a good place to be. Nice, okay. And I am Tech Sergeant Travers. I have been recruiting for almost three years. Originally started up in Delaware and then transferred down to South Carolina, and I absolutely love it. Oh, wow. How'd you end up in South Carolina? Uh, I wanted out of the north, so (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at different recruiting positions down this way and just happened to come across South Carolina, and here I am. Awesome. Well, we are so glad that you guys are here. I think you're our first, like, actual Air Guard guest. Like, we've had um, Chief Codwell on here and stuff like that, but, like, actual guests talking about something that's Air Guard. So I'm excited because I don't really know much about it. I'm glad Airman uh, Dawson is here with me to help me along the way. But um, I just kind of want to start with, because uh, the Air Guard is a lot smaller, obviously, than the Army side. And so, like, how does the recruiting and everything work for you guys? Like, how many recruiters do you have? Are you throughout the state? Like, just give me the, the meat and potatoes of how you guys work. <laughs> so we actually have five production recruiters that we're allowed, but right now we have two that are actively recruiting. We actually are waiting on two more to get back from school. And then we have another one that's on his way to us, hopefully soon. So once we have a full team, we'll have five recruiters, plus the flight chief, the retention manager, and senior Monroe. Awesome. A lot different than the Army. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. So, like, are those five people uh, located in the Columbia area, or are they throughout the state? Throughout the state. So we have one um, out in Charleston area. We'll have one in the Greenville area. I'm... We're kind of dividing it up right now since we got more recruiters, but we do have the Columbia area, the Sumter area, and then we'll have, like, Rock Hill area and whatnot, too. Okay. So does that make it more difficult to get recruits since there's less recruiters? Like, I mean, say there's somebody in, um, I don't know, Buford or something, or just somewhere that's not very close to a recruiter. Like, what would the process be for them to be able to get in contact with you guys? So we have um, an Aim High app. So if you go in and just type in your zip code, it tells you who the recruiter is for that area. Or we have our website, the 169th Fighter Wing website. Um, All of our information is on there, our contact numbers, emails, all that good stuff. The hardest part about that is we can't be in high schools nonstop. So like Army Guard recruiters, they're constantly in their high schools. I have like hundreds (laughs) of schools that I cannot be in Mm -hmm. daily so um that's the biggest obstacle for us but actually getting our contact information out putting flyers everywhere I leave a business card almost everywhere I go people are laughing at me all the time but you never know that's our job that's what we do yeah (laughs) what are some things that most attracts people to the air guard specifically like what what do people say made them want to go air guard over everywhere else (laughs) we want to fly planes oh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we hear that a lot um 
It's just a, it depends on what you really want to do. You know, the Air Force is no more as a business organization than the military. Mm-hmm. A lot of the jobs that we have to offer translate very well into the civilian sector mm-hmm. through, uh, you know, jet engine mechanics, aircraft crew chiefs. There's a lot of certifications that you can come into the Air Guard, go to school and get that we would pay you to get that training rather than you having to pay to go get it. And so it does make it pretty attractive. And, and like I say, it's just a quality of life. And, you know, I'm not going to bash any service because we're all <laughs> wearing the uniform. But the member just has to decide what quality of life they want to live. You know, I joke around a lot. I got good friends that are in the Army. I told them, I said, well, you know, you sleep in your tent. I'm sleeping in a Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess with the recruiting side of things, are there specific MOSs that you guys see a lot of people wanting to pursue? Or, like, do you have specific MOSs that aren't being filled because they're not as interesting? Or, like, what are kind of your – the numbers, I guess, in a sense, with your jobs and recruitment? Um, I think everybody wants to be a pilot, mm-hmm. obviously. Um the biggest thing is high school students don't realize that they need a degree and everything else to be a pilot. Um, and then medical. Medical, everybody always wants to be in that career field. That's the career field I originally came from. Um, but we definitely need maintenance people, obviously, engines, that type of stuff. Um, it's one of those career fields that it kind of looks boring, but when you get into the meat and potatoes of it, it's actually really interesting. Um <laughs> I was just telling Sergeant Monroe on the way here, I think job tours is one of my favorite part of recruiting. We actually take the applicants around the base to show them what jobs they're qualified for and actually talk to the people in those career fields. Because if you asked me what the people in the engines career field does, I I wouldn't be able to tell them. So I actually take them to that shop. They ask questions. They get a more like informative answer. And me doing that, I've learned a lot about the different AFSCs that we offer. And I'm like, okay, well, that's something that I never would have thought I would have seen myself doing. But now, like, in recruit, I'm like, I could so do that. That would be cool. (laughs) Anybody can do it. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up because um, that's one thing that I wish the Army side did because we have, um, like, if you enlist but you're not going to basic for a long time, you go to RSP. So it's like a holding unit, and they teach you the basics to prepare you for basic, but, like, uh, you don't get to go to the unit that you're going to be with and work with them. And I was covering something at McIntyre. Um, it was probably sometime last year, and um, there was two Air Guard females because they were in civilians, and I was like, who are they? And Someone was like, they're the Air Guard recruits. And I don't know if they had already processed to be in and they were waiting or I don't know where where they were at. But I was like, why can't we do that with our RSP soldiers? Because I feel like, one, you'll get to know the people you're going to be working with. Two, you're going to learn the job and know, okay, yes, I definitely want to do this. And it prepares them, I feel like, mentally for basic in AIT because they have an, a better understanding versus going in and not knowing what's going on. So I thought that was really awesome that you guys do that because I think that's a great recruitment tool. Another thing too, uh, I, as a technician, this summer we were able to get an intern and we he was here on Tuesday and he did a podcast with us. And that's a great opportunity as well because for somebody who's in high school that kind of has an idea of what they want to do but maybe they have two or three things they're interested in 
they can go and take that initiative and learn about these jobs and see behind the scenes and what's going on and be involved in it. Mm-hmm. And that could be the difference between somebody choosing something over something else that they really enjoy. So I, I just, I think that's awesome that you guys do that. Well, the one thing that we don't want is we don't want someone to join the unit who really doesn't want to be there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I had rather them not mm-hmm. because we're a family, right? Mm-hmm. We're so small. We're just over 1,300 members versus yeah. Army's 10,000 yeah. plus. <laughs> so we have the one unit here in Columbia mm-hmm. rather than being all over the state. And so it's beneficial for us to do those job tours to make sure that that individual really knows what they're getting into before we take the time and spend the money to send them to basic and for them to come back and realize it wasn't what they thought. Mm -hmm. So we'd rather just take that extra time and and make sure that 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 member knows exactly what they're going to be doing. Um, I, I did have a question as far as like maybe the difference between um, guard and I guess AGR and technician. Um, if someone's coming into the guard and they are part time or going in for a traditional slot, um, maybe they feel like, OK, how am I supposed to keep up my skill on the civilian side? Or um, do I need to be doing this career or a maintenance career prior service before joining? You know, what what would your words be for that? If let's just say you had someone in your maintenance career field and they they wanted to know, do I have to be turning wrenches now in order to do it? So No, absolutely not. I think that's one of the things, like I said, I could so see myself doing something like that. Have I done it in the past? No, absolutely <laughs> not. But that's what we do is we train you to do that. We give you those skills. We That's why you join, right, is to get those skills, to get not only are you not paying for it yourself, but we're paying you to go get those skills. So it's, we're going to teach you how we want you to be trained on it anyway. So no, absolutely. You don't need any prior skills in that career field. That's one of those jobs, you know, a lot of people come to us and they say, you know, well, I want to be here full time. Mm-hmm. Well, coming into the guard, you're going to start out as a drill status guardsman, mm-hmm. part time. And then if you perform well, those full time opportunities will present themselves. And now eventually you're going to be there full-time, either in technician or in active guard reserve status. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice, nice. Now, with, um, with that, because, like, I mean, like we've said, the Army side's obviously a lot bigger, so we have jobs around the whole state, and you guys are centrally located in Eastover at McIntyre. So um, how does that work with those full-time jobs, like – are there more opportunities or because you're smaller, is there less opportunities for those kind of positions to open and people to progress through and all that kind of stuff? Well, our backbone is our drill status guardsmen. Mm-hmm. Um, those who work full-time jobs typically live in a local area or either they commute within an hour, mm-hmm. uh, you know, for that full-time position. But our DSGs, would still need them. They're important to us. They live in states. They come from five states around <laughs> to come down to McIntyre. And we couldn't do our job without them. And so, you know, for someone, if it's convenient for them and they apply for it and they're willing to relocate to the area, but it is their responsibility to be at work just like it is for any job. Mm -hmm. And if they're willing to relocate, then, yeah, that opportunity is going to be there for them. Nice, nice. 
Um, let me see. So we had some questions as far as like boot camp and things like that. Are we wanting to hit those? Um, how to prepare? How to prepare for boot camp? Or what you know could a high school student you know be thinking about right now if they were looking at joining the Air Guard? How could they prepare? Physical fitness, okay, because you have to pass your PT <laughs> test. That's the most important. A lot of it falls back on the members, so they need to be exercising, doing push ups, sit ups, you know, running to be able to get their mile and a half in. In the, in the required time. Uh, standards are different for male, female. Um, but physical fitness is important. We're going to teach you the drill and ceremonies. We're going to teach you everything you need to know about the Air Force basics. But the physical fitness piece is something that everyone has to do on their own. And I think studying for the ASVAP, um, it's offered in the high schools. So if they want to take it, it's kind of like a freebie when you're in high school. So go ahead and take it as many times as you want. Um, and then there's different apps to help study for that. I think that's been the biggest thing is trying to get people prepared for that. Um, I know when I went to basic training, I wasn't the most physically fit <laughs> trying to do push-ups. I was like, Ugh. But you, basic training kind of builds you up for that too mm-hmm. and helps you. But no one can really help you when it comes to test taking other than yourself. So you, you just have to put in that work to study too. Um, and what people don't understand is – the higher you score, the more jobs you're qualified for. So the job list that I give you, it's based on what you did, your performance. So I can't do that for you. There's no reason for anyone to say, I don't know where the material is. Mm. Okay, when I took the ASVAB test, <laughs> there were no cell phones. Back in my there day. Were, there were no apps. <laughs> you know, you studied, and it was a paper test that you colored the dots but today, everything's on computer. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's made it really so easy, but the individual has to take the initiative mm-hmm. to study to score well on the test. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because, I mean, it's been a very long time since I've been in high school, but I know back then, like, everyone was like, oh, are you going to take the ASVAB? Are you going to take the ASVAB? And, like, some people, the people who didn't take it as seriously were the ones who wanted to join or uh-huh. ended up joining, and then the ones who took it seriously were like, eh, it was just a test. And not to say anything about your test scores because, like, when you're in high school you're, or even in college, like, you're still learning. You're, you're, you're constantly doing some kind of educational work and all that. So I feel like the test is a little bit easier than somebody who has been out of school for a while and then decides to join, which there's nothing wrong with that. And you're in that um, test-taken exactly, mode, too. Exactly. Yeah. And also, too, when you f- – I don't know how it is on the Air Guard side, but on the Army side, like, when I enlisted, I was an MP. So my ASVAB was whatever it was. Well, when I wanted to become public affairs, my GT score was a few points off. So I had to retake it. And, yeah, it's intimidating and everything, but if you want to pursue your career and branch out to other things, like, that is a possibility. At least, um, is that the same for the Air Guard side, to where if you want to reclass to something, you can retake Absolutely. the ASVAB? Yeah. Like I said, I was medical when mm-hmm. I first came in. A lot of us reclass into a different career field. Mm-hmm. I tell people, why not? If we're going to pay you to get those skills, if there's a position available, you're qualified for it, go for it. The typical time is we like for someone to be in it for at least three years because your initial enlistment is six years. Mm-hmm. Um, at the three-year mark is where you can make that decision to cross-train, mm-hmm. and that's why those scores are important mm-hmm. because let's say avionics, for example. You want to be an F-16 avionics specialist. You have to have a 70 electronic score mm-hmm. 
Well, if you don't have it, you've got to retake the ASVAB or we can't give you that job. Mm -hmm. And so it's very important to study. But we've got cross trains. I've had three career fields, mm -hmm. you know, with the Air National Guard. <clears throat> and we've got some folks that's had four and five. So it's not where you start your journey. Mm -hmm. It's where you end your journey. A lot of us have to do things we don't want to do. That's just life. But you have to start somewhere. Mm -hmm. So get your foot in the door and start. And then as you go through, cross-train and go to where you want to be. I tell everybody, too, when you show up for drill weekends, that's your job interview. So if you want a full-time job, if you want to cross-train somewhere else, whatever you do, it's a job interview. Even if you want to go out and get a civilian job somewhere, the people that you're working with here are probably, that's a good networking. Talk to them, show your work ethic, and maybe they can get you a job on the outside, too. Show up every drill weekend willing to work, willing to prove yourself as if it's a job interview. Oh, I never thought of it like yeah. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's good. We have a lot of business owners, you know, at McIntyre. Yeah. And we've got folks that are up the chain with their companies that are turning wrenches on aircraft. And you're working right beside them, but you don't know it. Yeah. That could be your next boss in a civilian world. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, every day is a job interview. Yeah, and I for you guys, too, because you are so much smaller – you like every time I go over there, especially like with uh, Airman Dawson or previous uh, PAOs that I worked with on the Air Guard side, like anywhere you went at McIntyre, they knew everybody. And I'm like, <laughs> how do you know everybody? And then I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, you guys don't have as many people as us. And that that's why you, I feel like the Air Guard side is that much closer because you have less people. So, you know, almost everybody and you can build those connections and learn from other people, learn from other experiences and stuff like that. So it brings a lot of diversity and all that good stuff for people to build connections and everything. Well, you have to get out. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to network. You got to put yourself out there. And there's no commander that's going to turn you away. Um, if you want to go to the next level, you need to let people know where you want your career to go to. And you do that by getting into the shops. Most of our officers and our commanders were prior enlisted so they know what it takes to get to that level. And they're willing to help you. You know, they will give you advice. They'll help guide you and tell you what you need to do to get into the officer ranks if that's what you want to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, but you're right. We're a small family, and we, we treat each other like family. Yeah. I kind of want to go back more to the recruiting side of things. Like, for the Air Guard, what are specific requirements you have to meet or what are some things that are disqualifiers um, for people who are That's looking you. to <laughs> enlist? <laughs> um, so everyone thinks that you have to score higher on the ASVAP for the Air Force. You don't. The minimum score to on the ASVAP is a 31, just like every other branch. Um, we don't do ASVAP waivers, so 31, and you can get in. Um, like I said, the higher you score, the more jobs you're qualified for. Um, we are allowing small tattoos now above, like behind your ear or on your hand, but it has to be a small, um, but medical is the biggest thing that's getting us now. It's the same requirements across the board, whether it be army, Navy, air force, whatever the case may be. Um, we're just a little bit more strict when it comes to waivers. Okay. But yeah, as long as you're taking the ASVAP seriously and <laughs> scoring well on that, and then you're medically cleared. And the process is, you know, it's not quick like it used to be. Mm. You know, when I first started recruiting, someone could come into my office and we could fill out the paperwork, mm. 
and I could send them to, to MEPS tomorrow, <laughs> but not today. You know, today, sometimes that process is two, three, four months to get someone down there just because of the tight medical processes that are in place now. Yeah. And that used to not be. So you have to be patient. If you want it, you're going to be patient enough to get it. Yeah. Is there um, a max age for you guys? Because I know the Army, we have like an age cap off where you have to be, your birthday has to fall between whatever for you to be able to enlist. Do you guys have a requirement like that? 17 to 39. 39. Oh, wow. 39. <laughs> Come on. You have, be, you have to be enlisted by your 40th, 40th birthday. Time. So you can enlist one day prior to your 40th birthday. Wow. And still make it. Okay. I'm going to have to look at ours because I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't, I don't want to say it's 39, but I could be completely wrong. But I remember at basic, we had somebody that was in his late thirties and I mean, he killed it. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. As like you said, as long as you're physically fit and you, you want to do it, you can make it happen. You don't have to be 17 or 18. Like mm-hmm. The one thing talking about the recruiting phase, for someone prior service, they did not have to go back through basic training. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The, the Air Force is probably one of the only branches that recognizes <laughs> every other branch's basic training. That's what I was about to ask. And so you don't have to go back through basic if you're prior service. You still, if you're out for, I think it was, is it a year? If you still have to yeah. go back through the MEPS process to physically qualify again, but you don't have to go through basic. Okay. Yeah, because I, I think for if you're air, air guard coming to the Army, you have to go back to basic. Mm-hmm. If you've been out for, like, five or more years or something like that, you have to go back. So that was going to be my next question. <laughs> you may have to go back through tech school yeah. yeah, for your career field, but you don't have to do basic again. Okay, that's nice to know. <laughs> wow. I guess since we're still on recruiting, like, I wanted to hit on the bonuses now. Um, <laughs> I know money, that's money, money. Yeah, that's what people <laughs> want to know. So are there any um, career fields that are that you know of right now that have bonuses? Um, and do they come up frequently or are they infrequent? Are there any hot career fields that usually have them? You know? I would do. That list is going to change year to year. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's wanting to join, I'm going to tell you real quick, don't join to get a bonus. Mm. You join for the career. Okay. If the career comes with a bonus, okay, that's icing on the cake. Nice. But that list is going to change year to year. Typically, most of our maintenance career fields are normally going to be on that bonus list. Right now, the bonus for, I want to say, for a non-prior service is $15,000. And it's divided once they complete tech school. Mm-hmm. The bonus is divided each year over that six-year enlistment period. It does require a six-year enlistment. Now, okay. you, can now re- you can now re-enlist into the Air Guard for four years. Um, we just got that change down, but you don't get any benefits with it. Mm-hmm. Your benefits come with a six-year enlistment. But a lot of those and prior service bonuses are there. If someone's fully qualified, it's a $20,000 bonus. And then we have local state bonuses that are $10,000 bonuses. Oh. So I really don't dig a lot into the bonuses until we know <laughs> you're qualified and we know what career fields you're going into because there's so many stipulations that we have to sit down and go through the requirements to make sure that individual meets each of those requirements. Unless someone specifically asks about a bonus, I don't tell them about it until they sit down to sign their contract. I'm like, oh, yeah, you get $15,000. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, no, I don't – it's not one of my sell-in because wow. I want somebody to go into that career field because they want to be in that career field, yes. not because they're getting the money for it. Right, right. 
And you then, recruit and sell benefits. You don't sell money. Mm-hmm. You sell benefits. Yes. <laughs> I like that because that has more lifetime impact. It does. Um, as opposed to the, I don't want to say quick money because it's spread out throughout your contract. But um, I don't know, This that brings stability. So I like that. And then now I didn't know it was just as strict to get a bonus. Um, I'm thinking like <laughs> as soon as you sign that paper, like it's, it's dumped in a check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only. Yeah. Uh, but that's good. That's good. With that though, because um, like for us, they do, ha- they do it in half. Like, and I could be wrong. They could have changed it since then. But <laughs> before, then what I remember is like you would enlist, and when you got through basic, you would get half. Or if you re-enlisted, you would get half up front and then half after a certain amount of time. But with you guys, since you spread it out through the whole contract, if you're if you're looking to reclass or anything like that, would that affect your bonus? It does. Okay. As long as you reclass into another bonus career field, mm-hmm. you'll continue to receive the bonus. Because our career fields are they're not specific, one pays higher than another. The bonus is either a non prior service or prior service and either you're qualified or you require training. So as long as you stay in a bonus career field and you want to cross over, you'll keep it. If you cross-train out of a bonus career field, you could potentially have a partial recoupment that's prorated based off of how much time you've served in that bonus career field. Mm -hmm. So anyone who's there needs to talk to our retention office to make sure they're not going to be affected if they cross over or how it will affect them if they decide they want to move out. Yeah. That's smart, though, because with just dividing it in half and giving you half here and Mm -hmm. half then, like – there are situations where people have to pay a lot of money back because of whatever the circumstances are. And With taxes. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So, that I, I mean, that's probably another plus that I would say that you guys do compared to us. Back on the note of benefits, we just talked about bonuses. Um, I wanted to hit on education. And what are those benefits looking like now? Because I know they change, and they're probably still going to change as you change, they go and they're going to change for the better. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the first thing you have on the federal side is you have the Montgomery GI Bill sixteen oh six, which is the Reserve Select GI Bill. It comes with a six year enlistment. Currently, the value of that I think is four hundred thirty seven dollars a month if you're a full time student. You can receive those benefits once you graduate tech school. So when you come back from tech school, you start school, you're going to in process, sign the paperwork for your eligibility for the GI Bill. Certain career fields have a GI Bill kicker. That's an additional $350 a month that is a federal GI Bill that goes along with the career field and also with the Montgomery GI Bill. And then from a state level, we have the State College Assistance Program, also known as CAP. That is an Army Air Guard program. Uh, Army Air Guard are both eligible for it for the same amount. It's currently 22000 a year. We are trying to get that increased to $25,000. Uh, we are just waiting to get some verbiage in and get it through legislation, but that may be coming in a few years. For the Air Guard side, if you want to go for an associate's degree program, we will give you up to $11,000 over a two-year period toward an associate's degree, which covers your $22,000. If you're going for a four-year degree program, is $2,750 per semester or $5,500 a year. The money's there, and it's free. All you have to do is take advantage of it, and you do that by joining either Army or Air Guard for that program. 
That's good. Now, who can they contact or um, who can our audience contact if they're either prior service or brand new to get, you know, details on their specific needs for education? They can contact our recruiting team. All of our recruiters are aware of the programs and have the basic information on the benefits. So they can call 803-647-8850. That is our recruiting line, and it will be answered. Um, If no one's in the office, that line is forwarded to a recruiter's cell phone. And they rotate it, so all you got to do is call the number. Nice. nice. Awesome. So you guys, so like on our side, we have offices for everything. So like we have our recruiters, we have marketing, public affairs, and then we have like an education office. So you guys don't really have an education office. It's kind of just the recruiters helping. We don't. It's, uh, you know, we're because we're so small, mm-hmm. um, we don't have necessarily that education officer or that office I run the CAP program, so if there's any CAP questions, all you have to do is contact me or email me directly. Um, Again, you're not eligible for these unless you become a member. So when you become a member, you're going to have my information. And then the same way with the GI Bill information. Um, That could be held through our retention office, our retention office managers, Master Sergeant Edmonds, Jermaine Edmonds. Um, And he can be reached also for those GI Bill questions. But any of our recruiters can answer the basic questions for someone not already a member. Okay. Now, with education as well, um, are the full-time staff affected with benefits? Because I know on the Army side, as a technician, um, there are certain benefits that I can't have because I'm a technician. Is there any type of issue with that, with the education benefits or anything for your full-time staff? There are for the full-time. If you're an AGR, okay. an active guard reservist, you have access to federal TA, which is tuition assistance, mm-hmm. which is $4,500 a year that a current member can use, and they can also use the cap money on top of that. Uh, for the technician status, again, you have the GI Bill. You can still use the cap program. And same way with the regular guardsmen, drill status guardsmen. We have what's ANGTA now. It's equivalent to the Army's federal TA. Okay. But it's ANGTA, and that's another $4,500 a year that's available to a student. Um, so uh, another thing that um, I want to bring up, too, is security clearances, because I know there are certain jobs that you have to have specific security clearances. And also, too, there are some things that can affect you getting a security clearance just to even get in. So what does that look like for the Air Guard side? The security clearance is an important piece of what we do because most all of our jobs require it. There's only a few jobs that you don't have to have it for. Um, but most all of them is going to involve a secret clearance. There's a few top secret clearances. Um, the biggest factor that affects that clearance is credit. You know, folks come to us, if their credit's bad, it's not going to necessarily deny them the clearance, but it will stall the clearance process. And if the clearance ends up being denied then the member has to exit the guard or cross-train to a career field that's not required. Those clearances are handled by third party out of Washington, D.C., so we don't do them locally. We only initiate the process. So for someone wanting to come in, keep your credit clean. Make sure you don't have a criminal history because there's things along that line, even unpaid speeding tickets, Hmm. to cause a delay in a security clearance. Hmm. The biggest benefit to that security clearance is, is the value of it. Because even in the civilian sector, if you've got a secret security clearance and they know that, you're probably going to move up to the top of the hiring list because it tells the employer, number one, you're trustworthy. 
that you're serious about your job and that you're probably going to perform well. Because if you don't, you're going to lose that clearance in the military. And we have folks that lose it or either suspend them daily. Hmm. And it happens. So, so just keep yourself clean. Wow. So it's not like once you get it, you're good to go. Like if you yeah, do maybe. something within your career that could affect your clearance, then that could affect your career it being in the guard. It could affect your career. Wow. It okay. could affect your career. Now is I'm assuming y'all's is probably like ours where it's ten year every ten years. It's changed now. It's every five years. Oh really? I okay. Just, I just re- redid mine. <laughs> oh well, I just did mine like two or three years ago. Yeah. But yeah, I I'll have to check on ours because I I know when I enlisted it was ten years. It was ten years. So and that's a recent change. Okay. Uh, is there a reason for that or? They're just getting tighter on the clearances and okay. and the the time period that they're eligible to receive them for. Yeah. And okay. so. It is coming more frequent now that you've got to get that clearance and, uh, approved in order to keep your job. Mm-hmm. One thing with that, keep a Google Doc <laughs> of all your information. <laughs> when I was filling out mine to renew it, I was it was asking me like all the places I've lived, all, oh my gosh. and I'm like <laughs> I don't. I literally had to go through my email, write down all my old addresses. I had to get my address from when I was deployed, like. I, so I saved it, and I'm just like, if something changes, I'm just going to add it because I didn't realize all the information that you had to, yeah, like, make sure it was updated. It's that's insane. <laughs> well, when I joined, I was, well, when I joined, I was 22, but Maybe. I didn't have, <laughs> I wasn't 17, <laughs> but I ha- didn't have that many different addresses yeah. and whatnot, but now that I'm older, I, <laughs> I've moved, I have yeah. more addresses, it's more yeah. to remember now, mm-hmm. so it's like, oh gosh it's this is a lot harder the mm-hmm. further you go because there's more to add on to it yeah yeah so well you only sure. have a 30-day window to complete that clearance once they know once they open it mm-hmm. and after 30 days everything resets yeah. and so for someone who's just coming into the military into the guard or even in the army if you're if you require it they need to get that thing done pretty quick mm-hmm. that way if there's any questions they can be answered yeah right Definitely keep a Google Doc. I will tell you that right now from experience. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Is there anything else maybe that we haven't touched on? Any questions that maybe we didn't ask that you guys would like to talk about? Um, I don't think so. I mean, for me, yeah, we're recruiters for the Air National Guard. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, just do something. Whether Mm -hmm. it's Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, do something. Mm -hmm. And start a career. and, And better yourself. Yeah, I would love to have you join the Air Guard. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, do what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And for anyone talking to a recruiter, I don't care what the branch they're talking to, I tell our recruiters this all the time. I said, if a recruiter is pressuring you to make a decision, that needs to be a red flag, no matter what branch of service. Yes, we're, all, we're gold, right? And our job performance is based on our numbers and our quotas. But you shouldn't pressure someone to join something they're not really ready to do. Mm-hmm. Let them make that decision. And if they want to join your branch, they're going to join. I tell everybody, I'm not your recruiter. I'm your secretary. There you so go. Hey, I'm here to push your paperwork. <laughs> <laughs> this is what yeah. you want. This is what you want. If not, yeah. then I'll point you in the right direction. Yeah. But at the end of the day, when it comes to guard and military, it's one week in a month, two weeks out of the year. Mm-hmm. It's the bare minimum. Why would you not join to get the experience the training the just overall it's gonna 
in my opinion, make you a better person. So I originally came in to do one enlistment, get my benefits, and yeah. I was gone. Yeah. Here I am almost 10 years in. And <laughs> if you look at it, you know, if you look at it as a whole, if you add up your education benefits, your drill pay, the money you make through basic training and tech school, over that six-year period there, you're pocketing close to $100,000. Now, you break that 100000 down to a drill weekend and how much time you're actually having to be there, you're making almost 60, 70 bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it from that perspective, McDonald's is not going to pay you 70 bucks an hour <laughs> to come to work for them. And you're only doing it one weekend a month. Yeah. So to me, it's a win-win. Wow, I like that breakdown. I didn't even think about the money like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I like how you say you're a secretary. Like, that's yeah. definitely another way to look at that. No, that's seriously, that's, that's, what, that's what I am. Yeah. I'm here to answer your questions and give you the information to make the decision that's best for you. But I can't tell you what that decision is. I can tell you that I think we're the best, but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but that's my opinion, you know? Yeah. So, wow. I'm glad that y'all brought that up, too, because I feel like that's also a retention problem because there are recruiters who will push people. um, And so then or they get told I've heard so many stories, people get told these crazy things. And I'm like, why would you even believe that? Like, that doesn't even make sense. But I mean, you're young. You don't know what's going on. Like you have an adult telling you these things. And so the military is, is a life-changing experience, and it's not for everybody. I mean, when I went to basic training, there was people who the first day wanted to go home, and some of them managed to do that, but, I mean, others stuck it out and realized that it, it was a great choice for them. And so um, I but think... You have to look at it a couple ways, right? Mm-hmm. If someone joins and they really don't want to be there, you're crippling their career, mm-hmm. you're wasting their time, you're crippling the unit. You're spending money on someone who's not going to participate or do well. And now you have to spend the efforts and the money to discharge that individual at the door. Mm-hmm. So if they don't want it, why do you want to recruit them? It needs to be their decision. Mm-hmm. And if they want it, you help them get it. Absolutely. And that's the way we, that's the way we work as a recruiting team. I'm not going to beg and plead for you to join the Air National Guard. <laughs> because if I have to do that, chances are you're not going to make it anyway. So if it's just to get a number in the door, then I've wasted a lot of my time and yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I like that. Yeah. I think we've hit a lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's nothing else that you guys, that we maybe didn't talk about, I guess we can just close it out. Yeah. 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 Thank if, you guys. if anybody's interested, um, we'll get your contact information and put it in the comments below. So if anybody's thinking about the air guard, um, or just wanting to get more information, we'll definitely get that information in the comments for everybody. Um, you can also reach our office. I know Airman Dawson, so I can call her and say, hey, this person needs help on the air guard side. <laughs> so we've definitely built more connections, and we're trying to do more joint things to try to help each other out. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, we should. And, you know, I mean, Airman Dawson, PA's got our information. Mm-hmm. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. Instagram. Everything. <laughs> you go to our website, there's this big blue swamp fox head to <laughs> click and contact a recruiter and all the recruiting information's there. There's QR codes. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why someone says, I can't find information. No reason. No and way. it doesn't hurt to give us a call, too. Call, text, whatever. 
All right. Well, thank you guys so much for stopping in and talking with us. Hopefully we can have you come back eventually to talk about some other recruiting or air guard stuff. Um, but yeah. All right. That's everything for me. Okay. Well, if you guys thank like you this, guys. yeah, absolutely. If you guys like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode.